Hello and welcome back to what is the final episode of 2022 of the Rugby Connection podcast because we want a big Christmas break with a lot of drink. We're back yes. down to this week. Har's not feeling great, so we'd rather have him be fresh because there's a lot more to come in the new year. So we're with Cam. How you doing, mate? It's me and I'm feeling Christmassy. I've got the hat on. Uh, thought I'd make an effort for the Christmas special, I suppose this is. The well, last one of the season. If I have anything Christmas in my child store, it's illegal. That's fair <laughs> enough. I don't have a child, so I don't have that problem. Yeah. Um, yeah <laughs> another, another week with not much rugby, but good rugby, to say uh, the least. Enough rugby, anyway. We've Some got mad news, don't we? The good, the mad, the wild... Yeah, all over the place this week, but it's made for some very good watching, I must admit. Yeah, well, we're going to start off with the little brother or the abandoned step child of the Champions Cup. We're going to start with the Challenge Cup. Quietly, quietly been my favourite competition out of the two for the last couple of weeks. Watch your mouth. You're new to this. Watch your mouth. I'm just Watch saying the quality of the games. The quality of the games, but anyway. Okay, okay. well, starting start on Friday night. Lions hosted Stadfontein, beating them 30 points to 12. Breathe came up short against Connaught, 24-31 to Connaught. Um, Glasgow, not in Glasgow, might we add, at Murrayfield, because frozen pitch and apparently there's no stadium on the west. Anyway, um, 26-18 against Perpignan to, in front of no one. Um, on to Saturday, Tolone dominated Bath, 29-7. The Cheetahs, the Italian Cheetahs, as we keep calling them in this, because they're based in Parma, were came up short against the Scarlets, 45-26. Bayonne got absolutely blitzed by Cam's favourite team in the world, Benetton, 45 points to seven. Love it. Newcastle, ouch, got absolutely blitzed again. Cardiff put in 47 points on them at Kingston Park. The Dragons, the Dragons can't catch a break. They're getting beat by... Pow or Poe or Poo, whatever you want to call them. The green rubbish team from France beat the Dragons 27-21. And lastly, Bristol Bears beating Zebrae 35 points 19. Cam, which game would you like to select from the car crash um, of the Challenge Cup? I want to go back to the Friday, the first game of the Friday, Lions versus Stade Francais. Okay. Because uh, one... Very quality game. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, yeah. I think a few people thought the Lions might fall short to Stade Francais. Their home record hasn't been stellar this uh, past URC season. But you've got to hand us them. They're tracking well. And I've seen a few people on social media and what they're saying. The Lions, with the young team they've got, they're sort of looking back, not quite there, but back to their old super rugby glory days. Um, yeah, 30 points to 12. Yeah. Really good watch. Definitely enjoyed it. Highlight of the game was uh, Van der Merwe just with an insane, possibly the greatest try-saving tackle I've seen all year. Uh, actually, probably for longer than that. If you didn't see it, he essentially just dragged Stan Fr uh, Stade Francais player into touch when he really should have been over for the try. The best way I can describe it is... Think of if you're walking a dog and the dog smells something and you're pulling with all your might to bring it back. That's what Van der Merwe did. Honestly, yeah. But no, listen, I mean, the South Africans had, uh, you know, a bit rougher of a time this, this uh, week of rugby. But uh, I must say, 
The Lions, I've said it all season. I'm quite fancying the Lions. I enjoy watching them. Uh, they may be my number two team at the moment. So really, really nice seeing them get a, uh, put in a performance against Stade Francais, who aren't, aren't slouchers by any measure. Oh, that's fair. That's well said. I agree with that. What about you? What was your game of the week for the uh, Challenge Cup? I wouldn't even say game of the weekend. Just it was some more tag like it drew me in a bit more, probably just because I've I've followed these teams a bit longer. And it was actually Newcastle versus Cardiff. I did think it was going to be a bit tighter. I didn't expect Cardiff to win. Did not expect that bad. Josh Adams scoring for fun. Tulipi Falta with a cheeky little offload as well. Basically, Cardiff just went full whack and Newcastle just didn't have an answer for it. And Cardiff have been an odd team this year, haven't they? They've been an odd team. They've Newcastle, had yeah. performances like this uh, yeah. and performance where they beat the Sharks 35-0 away from home, but then they've also been battered by Glasgow. Consistency is a key. It is, and I feel like a lot of teams this year are struggling with consistency. But, uh, yeah, I will say um, one thing that I was quietly happy to see at the cost of one of the South African teams, Scarlets versus Cheetahs. Now, the Cheetahs last week against uh, Poe were a bit unconvincing. I thought they're quite lucky to get that win. But fair enough to them, they haven't played this level of rugby for years. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, the Scarlets, I've said it for, a, for a, literally all this URC season, if they can get their defence right... Their attack is there because I've said they can cut any team apart with their attack. It really showed and it all came together this week. 45-26. I mean, the Cheetahs only sort of getting back into it uh, between sort of the 60 and 75 minute period with a flurry of tries. But it was actually really, really nice to see the Scarlets just dominating a team. I don't know. It was, it was just nice to see. And I feel like it's been coming for a while. It's a strange one because of all the teams to go for it, it was like a good old Pro 14 quarterfinal. It was, it was honestly, I mean, let's look back. I mean, I'm pretty sure if we look back at the Pro 14, the Scarlets had the wood over the Cheetahs. Last uh, last five fixtures, the Scarlets have won, and then the Cheetahs beat them back in 2017. There you go. That's but, uh, Yeah, just I, I enjoyed that. I liked seeing the Scarlets who have had, what are they... 15th out of 16 and 16 in the URC right now. Oh, they are very low. They're, they're, they're down there. So it was quite I was it was quite nice to see them get a performance. But like you keep saying, that's because they can't defend. But they, they showed they proved us wrong this week. They showed they showed some good rugby, fair play. Yeah. Um we'll just we're gonna move on to we're not gonna do predictions because well, we're all back to standard clubs next week. Yep. But we are going to go straight in to the Champions Cup. This is going to be juicy. Starting on Friday night, Leinster just absolutely dragged Gloucester around the pitch. 57-0. Bordeaux versus Sharks. Nice tight game. 16 points to 19 with the Sharks getting the victory. On to Saturday, Exeter Chiefs just running a riot at Sandy Park against the Bulls. 44-14. Edinburgh back at home at the dam getting a bonus point win, 31-20 over last year's top 14 finalist, Cast or Castres or whatever you want to pronounce it. French. The French team that got beat by Montpellier, that's all that matters. <laughs> um, Leon gave everything they could against Sarsons, but came up short, getting beat 28 points to 20. Leicester Tigers back with a win at Welford Road, beating Claremont Avarn 23 points to 16. The Stormers 
do what they do in Cape Town. Absolutely hurting London Irish 34-14. Ulster against La Rochelle in possibly the weirdest circumstance game of the weekend. Down in Dublin, behind closed doors. The defending champions get away with a win, though, 36-29. Ospreys stunning the world, defeating the defending top 14 champion in Montpellier, 21 points to 10. Munster slugged it out against Northampton at Franklin's Gardens with 17-6 win. Toulouse versus Sale was the most batshit crazy game of the weekend with 41-19 win for Toulouse. And finally... Despite us getting promised champagne rugby, we did not get that any way, shape or form. It was probably the most boring game, in my opinion, sadly, at the stoop. Quinn's getting a narrow victory over Racing, 14 points to 10. Cam, where do you want to start? I mean, I'm going to get it out of the way because I have to talk about my team's victory, but I do want to talk about other games more than this one, to be honest. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know, Bordeaux, I will admit, uh, I think I was messaging you, I, under- I underestimated Bordeaux. Um, I haven't seen much of Bordeaux play. Haven't seen much of the top, uh, top fourteen teams play. But listen, they were they were quality. Uh, I'd completely forgotten Madosh Tamway now plays them. Ex Bulls player, so it was it was nice to see him uh, yeah. playing the rugby, and he was all over the park. He was brilliantly uh, playing brilliantly. But no, uh, the Sharks really really impressed. Really impressed with the boys. Uh, it was looking a little bit ropey. I thought Bordeaux would have the wood over us. Uh, what was it? 13-9 at halftime uh, to Bordeaux. Werner Koch becoming a pro wrestler. And what is this good for that? Flex. I'm a big wrestling fan. So, I, without, so away from rugby, I'm a big wrestling fan. And me and my wrestling friends, I shared the clip to them. They went, by the way, that was clean. Like, that was a very yeah, clean okay. suplex. So there you but go. No, that, that was a yellow card. Yeah. Um, ultimately, I mean, it was a tough fought battle away in France. France is a hard place to play wherever you go, any of the top 14 uh, teams. Um, But listen, I'm happy to see that the boys are able to get it done uh, away from home, abroad. Um, But yeah, a really good win. And I mean, it puts us, I think, second in our pool, just behind Leinster. Um, Oh no, sorry, fourth after the Chiefs and Saracens got their win. Yeah. But yeah, nine points. Good. We're only one point short of the maximum. So I'm happy with how the Sharks are tracking. Um, yeah. I'm assuming you're going to be one to talk about your two boys. You I mean, I'm teams. double happy that I'm double happy this week. You are so. double happy. I'll let you talk quickly about the Chiefs-Bulls game because all I need to yeah. say is just whatever Chiefs did there clicked. Kevin Dickey on the double. Solomon Carr. I love that boy. I have followed him since he was a rugby league player. Get him starting. It was just great to see Chiefs just go full whack. But I know you had a big issue with the, the Bills. I, I didn't did. get this game live because I was actually at the Edinburgh game, but I'll get into that briefly as well. But I'll let you... Listen. Um, <laughs> obviously, Bulls head coach, Jake White. I have so much respect for this man. He was one of the best uh, Springbok head coaches, led us to a World Cup victory in 2007. He's been doing brilliantly for the Bulls, obviously got to the final of the first URC um, and the Bulls have been making, you know, Super Rugby finals for ages back when they played in Super Rugby. Of course. But his attitude towards the Champions Cup, he has picked, and he did it last week against Lyon as well, and we all saw what happened there. The Bulls steamed ahead, but then Lyon caught up quickly. He's picked 
essentially a B team, maybe even a C team with uh, the likes players like Mornay, Stain and Bismarck Duplessis to sort of add a bit of experience. Yeah. I understand it at home. You've got home advantage and it worked last week just. This week, I don't understand. And also he's been saying he doesn't see any of the South African teams in with a chance of winning the Champions Cup. Not even his own team, the Bulls. Well, and I sort of read that and I thought, how, how, how is that going to reflect on the team itself and the fans seeing their head coach say yeah. that? He sent essentially a C team to Exeter. And I mean, he's paid the price 44-14. The Bulls were horrific. And these experienced players like Mornay Stain and Bismarck Duplessis, neither of them had good games at all. Mornay Stain very rarely has a bad, bad game. That was a bad game for him. It was. And the Chiefs, just pure class. They were bullying the Bulls. Out, outmatched them physically. They were running them around the park. Massive props to the Chiefs. Don't take anything away from the Chiefs it's because this was a Bull C team. They played what team they were given and they dominated. Thing is, right, and I know that we've, we've discussed the Prem when it's on and all that, and I'm still a diehard Chiefs fan. You backed them all, all the way. They haven't done great in the Prem this year. Not, not. They've, the had win, they've had some big wins, but then they stumble. And But I think I said it to you, this is essentially Sam Simmons and Kevin Dickey's last dance for the Chiefs because they're both buggering off to Montpellier. They're off to France, yeah. So are they now thinking maybe the Champions Cup? So, I know we're only two games into the Champions Cup, but are they thinking go for Europe again instead of going for the... I don't know. I, c- I mean, listen... The Bulls are playing Leon and the Chiefs again. Yes. So it will be interesting. And what I could see happening, maybe Jake White changes his selection and puts the more experienced boys. He's been saying he's the reason for this is he's resting uh, the big players. And understandably so, because the top flight players in South Africa right now are don't have any off season with the URC straight into the rugby championship, then into autumn internationals, then back into URC and championship rugby. Um, so I can understand him resting players, but other than that, you know, <sighs> I mean, you want to talk about resting big players, even though this one makes no sense. I told you this on Friday, and it angered you. The Leinster Gloucester game, oh, yeah, twenty-three from Gloucester. Similar academy. There was similar no story to this. Yeah, again, oh. selection all over the place. Gloucester's team were essentially a bunch of academy players. Like I think five, maybe four or five of them actually made like their first like European appearance. I'm like, yeah, yeah cool. You're going to like the most sacred grounds in European rugby. You're going to the RDS. Where Leinster, Leinster I saw. Go. I saw the commentators saying, and I completely agree with it. Both with the Bulls Exeter game, the Bulls are supposed to be one of the best South African teams. Big competitors made the URC final. To get a result like that, Gloucester, I mean, Gloucester are no slouches. They have some quality players. 57-0, no matter yeah. what team you put out. That's embarrassing. That's embarrassing, not only for Gloucester, but for the competition itself. That's why I did say that the, the Challenge Cup has actually been my favourite this week because the games were a fair bit tighter. Tighter, yeah. That's fair. 57-0. And it really, really pummels home how good Leinster are. We talked about this. It is scary how consistent they are. There it is. But we're gonna I'm gonna move away from that because but somehow they just anger me. 
I don't know why. It's not like I have a personal... Th- I don't have any vendetta against Leinster, but I get bored of it. It's, it's, it's boring how good they are. We're not, we're not insulting them anyway. They're a brilliant team. But God, do I want to see someone just trouse them. <laughs> just for a nice little change-up, that's all. Anyway, I was back home this week at the dam. Maybe a bit tighter than I thought it would it be. It was a bit tighter than I thought. Once again, me being guilty of underestimating a top 14 team. For those are unaware that Cam just does not acknowledge like French rugby till the internationals tomorrow. So there you That's go. But, I know um, I know Toulouse, Toulon, and Montpellier and La Rochelle and whatnot. The rest of them, the, the rest of the bottom he, 14 or whatever. He Googles the map of France when they're playing them. So where's that? All right, there. Okay. <laughs> I got no clue where Bordeaux is. <laughs> no, uh, I'm just going to keep it short and sweet. It felt, even though it was very high scoring, it felt a bit flat. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It just felt like we did our thing. And Cast kind of had an answer for it, but the discipline was absolutely shocked. I don't know how a, how a team gets four times by the ref Go and speak to your team, and not one card was shown. Yeah, but I digress because. Do you do you reckon? And I think maybe we're seeing the the true value of a player like Darcy Graham. He brings a lot of zip to the team, and I mean just his ability to work work himself in that backline play. So do you think you're missing him a bit, maybe not just as a player but just the general momentum and influence he gives to the whole team it's hard because this is actually well, this is our first game without Darcy no yeah. sorry we played and we gave him yeah. but we had a blow right before the game Van uh, Duhan was meant to start and then like I'm getting into the ground and like comes up Edinburgh shared a story on Instagram they click on it and it's, it's the match day squad but it's like oh we've had to ha- have to make a change Wes Husson now goes across to 11 because he was at 14 and Damien Hoyland goes in at 14, which is great. Damien Hoyland's got over 100 appearances for the club for good reason. But there is, and no disrespect to Damien or Wes, great players. I love them both. Very entertaining in their own way, but they're not Duhan and Darcy. I mean, listen, I will say, I can't remember who it was. it against Benetton? Or was it yeah, against... That was the first Denver. game right? No, that was, uh, was Bennett in the first game with Duhan, Darcy and Buff at back three. No, I'm talking about when uh, Wes Wilson made his... Oh, Zebra away, yeah. was Zebra. And I thought, Christ, this guy is quality. Like, Edinburgh have an amazing start in back three. And then they've yeah. got players like Wes Wilson just sitting on sitting there ready to play. You know, but I understandably, you're missing the likes of uh, Darcy Graham and Duan van der Merwe, who just adds so much to any backline. Yeah. But you still had King Boff. We did. And, I mean, <laughs> the game was pretty much already won, and he decided, I'm going to try. He missed it, unfortunately. But he thought, I'm going to just go for a nudge, 50-metre penalty. Uh, okay. Might I'm not well. against that, but it's very hard to film. If you don't know me, I do all match day vlogs on the old TikTok account. So I can't very, I can't, I can film tries because obviously they're coming at you. You can take pictures. I can't video a 50 meter nudge and not make it look rubbish. Sorry. 
tougher seasons. But anyway, I'm going to go on to Sunday's game. Oh, yes. There's a couple games this Sunday that I want to talk about, but I know which one you want to start with. Sorry, actually. I want to just talk about the Ulster situation. Not even the game, because that was strange in its own right. Warrishell were miles ahead at halftime. It looked like Ulster were going for another nil game after that shocking defeat last week to Sale Sharks. Absolutely shocking. They dug down deep, and they were... If they played like that in the full 80, they would have beat La Rochelle. Did they, did they get a four-try bonus point? How many tries did they get? Yeah, they walked away with two points, yes. I think they did. Oh, yeah. stop. I mean, listen, after being absolutely dominated in the first half, to come away with points. 29 now at half-time to La Rochelle. But ultimately, you know, and it just rings true once again, no matter the comeback or however much credit you give to Ulster for that second half performance, when you're 29 nil down at half time, first off, you just shouldn't be there if you want any chance of competing. Yep. Um, and it's it's going to be near impossible. And at the end of the day, it's another loss for Ulster, and that now means that their likelihood of um, getting through to the knockouts is. Just it's pretty much cut down to pretty much fifty percent because now they have got two more games where they have to get. You kind they of pretty much have game. to get either four or five points in the next two games to. It won't happen. No, won't. I don't see it happening. It's, it's weird because you're you're getting you're almost getting rewarded in the Champions Cup if you don't do as well because you will go into the Challenge Cup knockouts. Yeah. Um... It's, it's not, an interesting one. I don't get it. I'm not against. I'm not against it, but it's a strange. The Challenge Cup is down two teams this year, anyway. So, yeah. But anyway, that was Sunday. Uh, yeah, just quickly, just Ulster got moved. So Ulster, I think their pitch was frozen as well. Oh, of course, they were playing in a different stadium as well, weren't they? They're were playing in a different country, technically. They're playing in Northern Ireland. Ulster playing oh, no, Northern no, Ireland. No, no. So they went, the Republic, they went to the Republic yeah. of Ireland. They yeah. Behind closed doors. Why was it behind closed doors? It's an odd one, isn't it? They, it I was I watched uh, I watched the game uh, on replay. Well, I yeah. sort of I sort of watched the first half a bit of it, then I just skipped to the second half so I could see the comeback. Yeah, uh, yeah it was like being back in COVID days, wasn't it? Yeah, no, don't yeah, don't go back to that. We we like the the fans and the fans make a big difference. And now apparently. Uh, Ulster Chief Petri apparently the venue switch could cost them £700,000 fuck knows how he got that number like but okay Jesus but yeah yeah. with all the bloody money situations going on in rugby at the moment £700,000 my god alright I have you okay that's me (laughs) <laughs> anyway, on to the madness on Sunday in Toulouse. Cam, yeah. do you want to start us off with it? <laughs> I mean, let's talk about Sale Sharks. Last week had the performance of a lifetime, demolishing yes. Ulster. This week, just nothing went right for them. Nothing, nothing. went right for them. Very, very scrappy, scrappy game. Um, Toulouse, I mean... Anton Dupont. Uh, you know, when you've got when you've got Anton Dupont, 
and Roman yep. Untermach playing yep. for your club team. Yeah, maybe the one of the probably the best nine ten cotton combo of world rugby, arguably consistently anyway. Playing <laughs> for your club <laughs> team. Oh, wow. And we thought we we thought Sale were gonna give Toulouse a, a right go. There it is. Yeah. <sighs> what can I say? It was an odd game. Um Sale couldn't get anything going. Toulouse <laughs> were just doing Toulouse things. They were making it look easy. There was um, there was two coast to coast that they scored, both by the coast to coast. The Anton Dupont try, where I'm not sure if you saw the the after highlights. His uh, cheek, he's, he's completely offside from the kick, yeah. but he runs a cheeky little cheat line, and it just shows his rugby intelligence. He yeah. runs a cheeky little cheat line, going sort of diagonally. Until I think it was Ramos who made the kick, puts him back on side, and he's then gone. he just lets the wheels go and, and manages to get to the ball first and score the try from his own 22. So, not only is Dupont the best scrum half on the planet, he has a high rugby IQ, he is ridiculously sturdy for his height, and he has pace. Pace for and days. It wasn't only him chasing it, I think it was Untermac, Dupont, and Ramos chasing it, all three of them. Um, and I, I'm not sure who it was. I think it might have been, it might have been Dupria trying tracking back. He completely missed the ball. He didn't get anywhere near it. He just dived on the floor, which let uh, Dupont jump on it. I want to talk about the end of the game because right at the end of the game, um, okay. I think Johnny Hill in the 83rd, I think it was the 83rd minute scores a try however it looked to have the initial try looked to have been knocked on over the line Toulouse regather it and it looks like they're going to do a coast to coast the backs are running for it the forwards are having a scrap back on the Toulouse try line initially it's ruled as a Toulouse try because the backs go and dot it down but then the TMO gets in the ear of the ref says, hang on, there was a headbutt in the, in the fight after the supposed sale knock-on over the line. Thomas Ramos head, headbutting, I can't remember who it was. Um, and there's a lot of confusion. Toulouse think they've scored the try. Sale think they should have scored the try. It ends up being a red card to Ramos and a penalty to... Um, Sale right, I think it was eight, yeah, it was 83 minutes. Johnny Hill finally does go over and score a try for sale. What a weird scenario! And did they get them a bonus point? No, they got beat 45 19. What was the point? (sighs) Talk about a week's difference, hey? Talk about a week's difference. Sale last week looked like they could conquer the whole competition this week. Nothing went right for them. And that that there is why we love the Champions Cup. Talking I mean, about nothing going right for a team, I want to go on to Harlequin's Racing just quickly. Because oh, like no, you said, no. like you said, a game which promised stunning, stunning rugby down to the terrible conditions in the UK at the moment turned out to be a 14-10 slugfest where Racing were given opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to score and win the game. 
<laughs> they just scuffed every single time. Every you, single. I think they must have had at least six opportunities with a line, uh, a line out on the five meters. Yeah. Sale oh. were uh, not sale. Harlequins were bleeding penalties. Oh well, I've got I've got a fun like positional change for you as well during that game because again, it doesn't make sense. They moved Finn Russell to outside center. Yeah. What was that about? Why? Oh, they- you move possibly the best attacking fly half to outside centre. What's he going to do there? Nothing. And it, that's nothing against Finn. That's not where he starts. That's not where he is. Um, it was. It was. Listen, it was a disappointing result, but I watched the whole thing purely just to see, are Rasha going to get the try? Are they going to win it at the death? No, it was pure no. disappointment, absolute frustration watching Rassing play. Um, yeah, Quinns get the win, though. They get their first win. And they I do. mean, it was a needed win because obviously losing away to, to the Sharks last week, they needed this win to sort of get their Champions Cup back on track. Yeah. Um, Rassing, however, same as Ulster, a loss is a loss. And they're going to have to get they're going to have to get wins against Quinns and Leinster now. To Leinster in the RDS, by the way, they have to at least get four points, we'd think. Quinns at the Wilder Quinns is doable. I can see them getting a four point there. Maybe yeah. not a five point. I think it's going to be a closer game than that. Leinster, I don't think they're picking up points. Go for it. It's not even a ras- uh, for Rassen. It's Sunday. It doesn't even have to be at the RDS. I mean, if you do it at the RDS, fair play to you. But just go for it. I mean, that's all the rugby. That's all this week's transaction. But we have got some news just to tie us over a little bit. We do. Speaking of Finn Russell. Yes. Money. Finn Finn is coming to the prime. Well, it's basically all... One million dollar contract. On a two-year deal. Two million pounds. Two million. Finn is money. How does that work with the salary cap? Ah, right. I'm glad you asked because I got this all day. So for those that don't know, the salary cap in the Premiership is 2.5 million per season. That's to basically spend the whole... I don't even think that's just the players. I think that's everyone. That's salary. That's it. But you are get, you do get one marquee signing that falls without that. So you can go... Again, yes, chuck money at it. it. Doesn't, and then, but instead of, I'm not against it. I love Finn, and I love to see him in the prem because it means it's a bit closer to home. But if you're a smart businessman, would you not try and buy two? As that marquee, like, so you're, do you know what I mean? Like a five hundred thousand, or uh, even like a like a seven like k. 700k, 300k. I mean, I, what was due? Do you know what Finn was on at Racing? 800. I imagine it was pretty pricey. 800 a year? Yeah, so essentially they're going to have to top that by a fair bit to get him to move. If, I mean, there was people commenting saying that oh, he was linked with Japan. Yeah, but Japan's rules about imports are weird as hell now. They're only allowed so many per team. And I don't know if it's a salary cap thing. I think it just means in general you can only have so many. Essentially, Japanese League One is all the teams, majority Japanese-based players, 
with a sprinkling of South African and New Zealanders. And Greg Laidlaw. And Greg Laidlaw. Oddly enough, thought that man retired, but now he's playing in Japan. He's in Japan. Um, so Finn was rumoured to go there. No, it was rumoured he was going to Bath. Then he wasn't. And now he like it's, definitely... Well, they, they, they confirmed it, I think. Was it in the Quinns game? They the Scott, yeah, they they it was rumoured, which is well, pretty much confirmed. They've asked they asked Finn about going to Bath, and Finn being Finn said, "No, no, it's too cold there. The lad defence is nice and warm because it's got a roof." Nice one, Finn. Nice cover. Nice cover up, Finn. Nice cover that. Nothing to do with it. But <laughs> apparently, also getting no. But I mean, listen. Yeah, Finn in the Premiership. Leicester Tigers have lost a coach. Two coaches. Tigers have lost two coaches, haven't they? I mean, it's. I listen. If you're an English rugby fan, you'd be pretty happy about it. You, everyone knew who it was going to be. For the, if you somehow don't know, Steve Borthwick is now officially England's new head coach, and he's brought just the absolute legend, the inspirit, the walking inspiration that is Kevin Sinfield along as defence coach. Makes sense. They, they both won the Prem together with Leicester Tigers last year. And I said this to you before I started recording, Cam. Steve Borthwick, all he had to do was get a head coach's role and then he would get the England job. It was written in the stars. He was Eddie's right-hand man yeah. when they were dominant. And then it was, no, no, go and get it. It was almost like the RFU went, please go and get a head coach role so we can give you this job. Yeah, and it makes a lot more sense than the likes of a Scott Robinson or, you know, I think he's much more fit for the role. I think uh, in the long run, what were we saying? Do we think he can turn England around by the World Cup? That's good. They got the, first, the first thing on their list is the Six Nations, so it'll be very telling how England perform there. It's a quick turnaround for that. but Very quick turnaround. Um, um he can, turn, he can turn them around for the World Cup. I don't think that we're going to win it. No. I'm thinking definitely maybe a quarterfinal, semifinal, semifinal, I'd say. Maybe. The thing is, you're, I know England's whole aims are win a Six Nations and get to at least a World Cup final. You're going to have to lower that just this year. It's the problem. It's the same situation with the likes of Wales and whatnot. I've said it to a lot of my friends over here, all Welsh fans. Um, I think really what Warren Gatlin has to do, whether he's in it for the long run or if, or if he's just on a short-term contract, he sort of has to rule out a massive performance in the Six Nations. He has set aside World Cup glory and he has to focus on rebuilding this team and getting them back to the sort of 2018 Wales who were you know, winning Grand Slams and everything. Same with England, I'd say. Uh, I think England have been a team who have really suffered with consistency this year. Uh, they're Six Nations. Where did they come? They came fourth in the Six Nations or f uh, third, I think. Um, they had a winning tour in Australia, but lost the first game, almost lost. Uh, I think there's the second game they almost lost and a very up and down Autumn Nations. So, really, for Steve, I think his and main who, goal... And who's Steve's first game? 
Scotland. <laughs> yes! A team that England hasn't beaten in the Six Nations for the last two years. Four out of five. It's going to be five out of six. Anyway, wait, I'm, I'm going off topic because we've got plenty of time for that. Maybe yeah, I think his main goal is just to... What I'll be most interested is seeing his player selection and whether he sticks with the team that Eddie has built uh, oh. or, or if he starts maybe bringing in some more players. I think consistency for England at the moment is key, especially in certain positions. I oh. think he really has to look... I think he has to look at the Marcus Smith-Owen Farrell combo because right now I don't think that's working for England. No. <laughs> There's a lot of work to do with England. I'm excited to see what happens. And I'm the nations will be the teller. As a rugby fan, I'm excited because Steve Barfuck's a great coach. Kevin Sinfield is highly regarded, both in and out of rugby. As a Scotland fan, you want him to crash yeah, a bird. As a Scotland <laughs> fan, don't do it. <laughs> but um, we're going to round it off with just two little fun questions. Cam, you've got one. I've got one. Yeah. Obviously, now to uh, the other sport that happens in the world, football. Or mm. soccer. Uh, um, obviously, the Football World Cup final happened. Uh, Argentina getting the win over France. Uh, Lionel Messi becoming the uh, the the ultimate goat of football. Well, you realise since that since he won the World Cup, all I've heard on TikTok is that like I think it's a, I don't know if it's a song or just a sound, but it starts with like Messi, Messi. Anyway. <laughs> on Instagram, I think it was Six Nations Instagram, posed the question, who is rugby's equivalent to Lionel Messi? Hmm. It's not even... Like, you could have names in your head and it's not even a, an easy question to answer. No. I've seen multiple answers being put out. Some people say uh, Johnny Sexton because he's coming to the end of his career and he's got one last shot at World Cup glory. Oh, so they're actually doing it. Like, they're literally man. comparing the career. And then I've seen other people go for players like Bowden Barrett, Finn Russell, for just their absolute talent and skill on the yeah. ball. <laughs> so I thought I'd just pose the question to you. If you were to say what sort of player, in terms of rugby, personifies Lionel Messi, who are you picking? Well, like, as, if, as the GOAT or like... Because if you're doing it by story... You can go I'm, both directions. You can go as the GOAT or you can go what player sort of reminds you of a Messi-type rugby player. That's strange because the GOAT question is actually a bit easier. Well, if why don't you give me two picks? Give me two picks. Give me I the have, GOAT pick and give me... Uh, uh, like one at all bar a World Cup. Yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to cause a big star with this one from a has won everything but the World Cup. It's Owen Farrell. I like it. Premierships, Champions Cups, fucking Player of the Years, Six, Six Nations, Lions Tour. Yep. Uh, I, I don't he just like hasn't got the World Cup yet. And it's the I same as Messi. He's won, Messi's won everything except that World Cup, which he now has. For the GOAT, I think it's easier. I think... I will put out two names. I'm sorry, you only, I know you said one, but I will put two out because you could argue these two 
for the end till the end of time until someone decides to grab all the trophies themselves on multiple times. Then, yeah. So I'm going to say Rich McCaw or Dan Carter. Fair enough. They have two either those two. Two World Cups. Both got three times World Player of the Years. Fucking endless Super Rugby titles with Crusaders. Both got over a hundred caps. They've won a Lions series. Uh, yeah. I like it. I like it. My son's named after Dan Carter. I can't not say he's one of the goats. It's a bit. <laughs> there we go. There we go. For your son's sake, you had to say Dan Carter. I mean, it should have been Carter, Richie, blah, 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 Anderson. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> Carter, Richie, Finn, Russell, Stuart, Hogg. Darcy and- Graham, Van der Merva. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> I've thought about this and. Uh, I did have my two picks. That's why I made you make two picks. Okay, For my uh, sort of hazard, I've gone sort of this, a similar approach to you. He's won everything but a World Cup. Yeah, It's Anton Dupont. Hasn't won a World Cup yet. Wait, exactly. Wait. Hasn't won a World Cup yet. He's won everything else. He's won the top 14. He's won the Champions Cup. He's won the Six Nations Grand Slam. He's won he's everything. Done all, he's done it all in the space of like 18 months as well. Yeah. If, if France win the World Cup, Anton Dupont might go down as. Dupont has completed rugby in the span of, span of two years. Yeah, he, he completed, he, he speed ran it. He speed ran the game. <laughs> no, what the hell? He'll be, be doing side quests. Oh, <laughs> by just be... jumping across to the Prem, like, I need a Premiership title. Yeah, he'll go, he'll go win the Prem quickly. He'll jump over to League One. He'll, he'll play in Japan for a bit. He'll jump over to uh, MLR, go play in America for a bit, win that. Oh. He'll probably jump down to the Curry Cup for some reason, go play for the fucking Griquas or something. Finish up in the URC and then become the and then, go, and then go play for the Crusaders and win the Super Rugby. And then become France head coach and win it all again as a coach. Exactly. So DuPont's my sort of like that. that sort of pick. For my goat, my rugby goat, he's still playing, he's still active. The only non-New Zealander to win two World Cups, Francois Stein. Beat both Pharaohs. I love that. Rod Stain, you put it in the chat. He's beaten both the Farrells. He beat Andy Farrell in a World Cup final in 2007. He beat Owen Farrell in 2019. So, Christ, if he was ever invited to a Farrell Christmas dinner, there would be a bit of a tension there. Like, drop some, cran- drop some cranberry sauce. He goes, oh, I've had a stain. Rod <laughs> <laughs> Stain. <laughs> No, I mean, listen, we talk about longevity in a player and the same with Messi for his longevity. I don't think there's any player with the same sort of longevity as France Dane still playing for the Springboks. He's won two World Cups, the only non-All Black to win two World Cups. He's my goat. That doesn't even sound right. I don't know why. It just doesn't sound right at all. You know, but the thing is, you see players like... uh, uh, Richie McCaw and Dan Carter, they won their World Cups, uh, World so, Cup cycle away, so four years apart. France Stain, France Stain said, "Hold my beer," and decided to wait twelve years until. The reason, the reason I said Dan Carter as well is because, well, I suppose Richie McCaw's on the same boat. They had the heartbreak 
of 2007. Dan yep. Carter got injured in 2011 and only played up till, I want to say the quarterfinals. Yeah. It might have even been the last group game. Anyway, so he, even though he won 2011, if you go and watch the documentary, biography thing yeah. about Dan Carter, the, the perfect 10, he even says it, that he doesn't count 2011. He, he, yeah. But then 2015, he came back, I mean, like a fine wine, and then showed everyone how it's done. So it's... It's, a, it's an intro... Yeah, who's your Messi of rugby? Uh, uh, that's the, our question. And I do have a question for you, because it is that time of year, Cam. Yep. So, what would you like for Christmas? Nice and simple. Well, I think the ultimate answer for me is rugby jerseys. That's a um, good choice. I yeah. mean, don't really. I, I actually, I, I know, I am getting rugby jerseys at Christmas. I know exactly what they are because I sat there and choked <laughs> them out. Um, so I know exactly what's waiting on the tree. I'll, I'll leave it a bit of a secret. Um, I did buy myself some uh, some Christmas presents. I had a bit left in my Christmas budget. I think you've seen, I, I ended up buying myself about six rugby jerseys, all BLK. <laughs> I got a Cheetahs jersey, a Kenya jersey, uh, an Eastern Province jersey, a Zimbabwe jersey, a Nigeria jersey, and a Goss Hawks jersey, which are a Division One Curry Cup team. So I've had plenty of jerseys over the over the Christmas period. That one that you're wearing, I suppose you could count as a bit of a Christmas jersey. This was, yeah, I got this a couple of days ago. At around, I mean, it's 20 years old. That's <laughs> vintage. You, you've literally spent a pound per year, essentially. Pretty much. I got... This jersey, and I don't have it on me, but I did get a lovely like match day program. I'm get, I don't know if it was for this game or just that season, but I'll take it. It was oh, lecture, isn't it? You've got quite a vintage theme going on there with the jerseys in the back, haven't you? If nobody's noticed this on YouTube, I've got I don't know what year this is, but it's my only London Irish top, and I know it's very old because every London Irish player we get on the show goes off. So <laughs> Ooh, that's, a, that's, that's an old one. And I've got this lovely, I want to say this is 2002 as well. What was that a sale jersey? A sale jersey, but this was, that was gifted to me. Ooh. Um, I mean, the oldest jersey I have hanging up there is the Munster jersey, 2007. That's the one they beat the All Blacks in as well, so that's pretty nice. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, rugby jerseys, folks, if you, you know, I'm ho- hoping, I'm sure there's a bunch of you hankering out for a few, uh, few rugby jerseys. If you could so, pick one jersey, I'll just add another one. If you could pick, I could one pick jersey, any jersey to just magically unwrap over the Christmas period. Yeah. Um, one that isn't actually for sale for some stupid reason would be the Sharks Champions Cup jersey, which is not for sale because of manufacturing problems or something. They're not selling it to the fans, which is sad because it's stunning. It's beautiful. I love it. If I were to pick one that is for sale... The Benetton away jersey, the blue, the blue and gold one. I like that. I want a Benetton jersey. It's the last one I need for my URC collection. I'm gonna go a bit bolder for my one though, Ooh. just because I am trying so hard to get one. I might get it when I get paid because I found it. <laughs> I need. I don't want. I need a rugby Deutschland. So Germany. I need a German yeah. rugby top. Purely because. I've got German family, so and the tops are lovely. 
I want, what did I find the other day? I think we were talking about uh, in the Commonwealth Games, we wanted the Uganda kit. Now, it's not the Commonwealth Games Uganda kit, but I found a Uganda kit, uh, which I'm very tempted to buy because I've sort of had a, an obsession with buying African teams. I've got Nigeria, Zimbabwe, Kenya now. That Kenya jersey I showed you is fucking stunning. All uh, Kenya jerseys are stunning, but the other two are just mind-boggling. And it's not a bad way, it's just... Like, everyone has that niche jersey in their collection. Cam goes, yeah, I've got Zimbabwe. I've got, I've got so many niche jerseys. I've got Zimbabwe, I've got uh, Nigeria, now I've got Kenyan Sevens jersey, jersey. I've got uh, a Spanish jersey. I know you have a Spanish jersey as well. It's not that niche, I've got one too. I've got a 2007 World Cup Japan jersey. I've got one. That's niche, maybe. Yeah. Have you got a Hong Kong jersey? I don't have a Hong Kong jersey. So we'll leave it. We'll we'll leave that for the viewers. Comment yeah. down below. Was your uh, a? What do you want for Christmas? B. Who's your Messi of rugby? And C. What is your niche jersey? Because me and Cam, I don't know about Harv. Harv admires vintage jerseys, but me and Cam are like. We're obsessed. Both of us have disgustingly large jersey collections. 150 combined, I want to say. Maybe I think more. I think I've I've just hit the 80s. I know you're last time we spoke, you were in the sort of high 80s. I think I'm in the 90s. I, I I'd assume you're in the 90s now because you've had a few new ones. So yeah, about yeah, close well, actually no, probably close now around 160, 170 jerseys combined. Oh. There we go. The rugby um, section podcast jersey collection, combined jersey collection is the biggest in the world. And our combined 15, based off guests, is magic as well. It's the best in the world, simply. There you go. There's another interview just before we head off, head out, check it out. It's Luke Pierce. Yeah, what an interview as well. I've said it before, the Ben O'Keefe one was my favourite before that. I like seeing a referee's perspective. Um, actually, before we end, might I say, and to any of you who might have been guilty of this, if we saw, uh, I think it was Wayne Barnes came out on his social media and yeah. um, opened up about the the abuse that he got after the South African and uh, the South African versus France game. Mm-hmm. Um, he was getting disgusting uh, abuse over social media, not only towards himself, towards his children and his wife, uh, threats of violence, threats of sexual violence to his wife and children, which is absolutely obscene and disgusting. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and as a rugby community, a world rugby community, we pride ourselves on being respectful and most importantly, respecting the referee and the officiate, officiating staff. So, is, I'll say this to you, Cam, right? We have all had a bitch or a moan about a referee or a decision. We're all guilty. Well, hell, we still talk about Greg Gilbert bugger in Scotland in 2015. That's so bad. But how do you get, not just rugby, football, Golf, tennis, fucking Formula One, where it's the car that does it, not them. Anyway, how do you get that angry to message the referee or the player or the coach directly to be like, I hope you die, watch it? Like, how fucking delirious are you? It's disgusting, it really is. And I suppose just a message from us um, before, you know, I know, and I, I know for a fact any of our viewers are fans, you're good people. Uh, your your pure rugby rugby fans, um, but you know before you go on, however angry you might be about a game or refereeing decisions, before you go on and post stuff on social media, you know sort of stop. Think to yourself: Is this appropriate? Is this necessary? 
Um, because at the end of the day, especially, uh, you know, there's no need to go after a referee's family or anybody's family or children. Um, and it's just something we don't want to see in our sport. No, exactly. Thing is, refs are people. They go home, like you said, they go to home to their families and watch the same shite TV that we all watch. They're not robots. They're not built for this. And I'm not just plugging our own show, but listen to Ben O'Keefe. Listen to Luke Pierce. It is. Like I said, they're my favourite My favorite interviews. You see plenty of interviews with players and coaches. You don't see many with referees. It's a refreshing perspective on the game. Like Murray said, they're people too. They train just as hard for these, these matches. Um, you know, and rugby's a complicated game. They're not always going to get everything 100% correct. Cut them a bit of slack. Okay. Bitch and moan about the referees with your mates, with a pint, whatever. Everyone does it. It's part of the yeah. sport, part of every sport. Please leave it off of social media. Just another one that I want to throw out there because she doesn't deserve the abuse either. Is Holly Davidson. I sent it to you. Yeah. It was after Wayne Barnes went public and she went, this isn't common. And it's the same guy as well, which makes this more absurd. It was, you should be ashamed of yourself. I hope you die. Fuck you. Fuck your mom. Fuck your dad. Watch it for your family. You let Wales win. You're you're a joke. Like there's nine or twelve messages from this one. one as well. It is, and it's sad. It's really sad and embarrassing to, to see someone like that. Like back to what I just said. Like how do you get that? How do you get that angry that you go, send, send, like get a grip, go away. It's obscene. It really is, and it's just not needed, not wanted in our sport. This whole year has been played with uh, disputes over the officiating. I'm one to say, listen, I think the uh, the officiating does need to be more consistent across the game, but that's not the individual referee's fault. But uh, one referee's consistency is totally different to another referee's consistency. Yes. Which throws it all into disarray. But It does. Stop. There are problems um, with our sport. There's problems with the rules, but please don't go after people on social media and definitely don't go after children and spouses yeah. because it's disgusting and it's not needed. And they're not even, like, they could be pissed off at their dad for that decision. I don't know, but you know what I mean? Like, they have nothing to, they do, got with, nothing to do with the sport. But also, you're ruining my setup. I message players, coaches, not directly. You're ruining it for me. True. They're not going to want to speak to fans when if the fans exactly, treat them like that. If arseholes keep messaging people to, like, death wishes, I ain't getting, we ain't getting guests. Yeah. Unfortunate, an unfortunate topic to end for our Christmas special, no, but no, I felt no, the need no. to say it. Because... Okay, well, I'll bring a background. From yeah. all of us here at Rugby Connection, we do hope you all have a very Merry Christmas, not a Happy Holidays. I hate that saying. It's very Merry Christmas. Get spoiled. Open a shit ton of rugby tops. Go to the rugby. There's so many games on. Next the rugby. So, many Chris, uh, so many Boxing Day and Christmas Eve der- uh, derbies going on. Exactly. And if you can't wait then, do it, net, go, do it at Hogman, start off your year with a bang because we're not coming back till 2023. This is it. We're done for the year So because we are good employees here. So we get like a two-week break, not like Arthur that gets like one day. Anyway, <laughs> we hope you have a very great Christmas. Get a shit ton of rugby jerseys, go to the game, have some bloody nice drinks, preferably alcoholic. Stop right, coming to school. There's a free freezer. There you go. There's a life hack for you. Yeah, we are.
like, share, comment, subscribe, get the notification bell rang because there's so much coming. I say that every week, but there is just so much. Like, we've already booked guests for 2023. It's going to be another big year. This season's been massive. The next season's going to top it. It's, it's just going to be great. But have a very Merry Christmas, and we will all see you 2023. <laughs>